Hello and welcome to episode 44 of the Gamers Without Borders podcast, a podcast about video games, technology, and anything else we can think of. And as always, I am Nick, and joining me this week is someone who I recently discovered has officially declared himself co-host of Gamers Without Borders. It's Judge Greg. I was under the impression we had renamed the show to Greg Without Borders. Was that is that not actually a thing? Well, I, I'm confused. Okay, peek behind the for our small uh, percentage of our audience that don't get that joke. In the time we've been away, which I'll get to in a minute, some of our listeners have argued that Greg has been making such frequent reappearances that we should rename the show. And uh, a peek behind the curtain again. I genuinely thought about doing the opening and actually referring to the show directly as Greg Without Borders, but I thought as we've been away and this could be people's first episode, I didn't want to confuse people. <laughs> wow, that would cause so much confusion. Yes. Yeah, because they'd go, but, but you said that in the episode, yet all the website and all your Twitter says Games yeah. Without Borders. What the hell's happened? It doesn't make sense. Is this a game show? Or are you guys just going to talk about Greg the whole time? Uh, well, we basically <laughs> do. Yeah, well, but, yeah, well, more or less, yeah. But yeah, I'm not calling you out on it, but but during one during one of our many Twitter conversations, I noticed that you've actually put it in your Twitter bio. I I did, yeah. It's fine. Well, I felt because I I promote the show all the time. Yeah, no, no, I'm and not so I, I just felt talk. like you know toss it in the bio so that people understand I'm one of the co-hosts of yeah. the Gamers Without Borders podcast. Yeah, if so. give it a few more weeks, and you might be one, you might overtake uh, might take the lead for longest running co-host. Oh, really? I've not done the maths, but uh, yeah. Uh. But no, before we jump into things properly, um, as I've alluded to, and listeners of the show will know, we have not been around. Um, it's actually, uh, as I've just worked out, it's been about three months since our last episode, so I just wanted to kind of explain what's been going on. Uh, and the short answer is, I expected there to be a gap between episodes, but I really didn't expect it to go on this long. So uh, during the last episode that we put out, I was talking about how, yeah, the show was going to go quiet for a bit because of my exams and things. And obviously that that all went out of the way, that went fine, and I've, I'm kind of less busy now. But it kind of just naturally, other stuff came up. It was about finding people that want uh, to work with. So in this case, uh, Greg got in touch with me and was like, do you want to do a show? And I've had a few, uh, a few other uh, old faces getting back in touch that they want to do it. So I'm hoping in the coming weeks when I'm a bit more free to maybe do it a bit more regularly. So I do want to apologise that the gap was so long, and that's why I didn't put out anything saying like, we're going on break for X period of time because I honestly didn't think it was going to be as long as it was. And there might be a small uh, number of you that are thinking, wait a second, there's not been a game without borders for a while. But uh, but me personally, you might have heard me on loads of different podcasts. I went on Greg's podcast, Hero Talk. I went on the One Track Gamers. I went on Almost Better Than Silence. So I'm clearly not quite as quote unquote busy as I seem. And the honest answer for that, and I'm sure <laughs> Greg will attest to this, is that guesting on a podcast is a hell of a lot less time consuming. It is. I would say for every hour that you guest on a podcast, yeah. if you were to host that podcast, multiply that by four or five. Yeah, ex yeah, definitely. That That's the key thing, that when you're guesting, you're only busy for the duration of a Skype call or whatever. Whereas if it's, yep. if it's your podcast, you've got to edit it, you've got to make every, make all the all the resources that you need and put it up. So that's why. That's why it might seem a bit lame for me to go, I'm too busy, but oh, by the way, I will appear on everyone else's podcast ha happily. That's that's yeah. the real answer. So yeah, uh, yeah. we're like because it's easy, exactly because it's easy. Yeah, and like I said, we're still going to be functioning on kind of an, the as and when schedule that we've been using. But I'm hoping to try and get a bit more regular, just because I know we have a really nice group of people behind us, and I feel bad that I kind of 
that I let that let things slip a bit. So I'm sorry, and hopefully more moving moving forward. But enough of the boring admin stuff. Uh, Greg, I'll start with you. What have you been up to? All right. So in in the last three months since we've <laughs> oh, talked. Oh God. Uh, <laughs> all right. So we're not going to go into everything. I just kept no, it uh, rather no. rather recent. Um. So I'm pretty sure uh, on the last episode I talked about my uh, my trials with Mass Effect Andromeda and just trying to play that game. Mm. Uh, nothing's changed. I'm still only three hours deep in that game. <laughs> uh, but my PlayStation uh, went completely... Uh, I'm trying to think of a good PC way to say this. You can my use PlayStation the died. Okay. Yeah, my PlayStation died. We'll just say that. It, yeah. it died. That's um, there were there were some colorful, metaphor, colorful metaphors I was going to throw out there. Yeah. But I thought, no... No, the, our our wonderful listeners don't want to hear me come up with colorful metaphors. Oh come on, we, we've we've turned the air blue within about thirty <laughs> seconds of an episode in the past. Okay, so just give it ten minutes, get them warmed up to us again. True, that's make true. them make them learn to like us again, and then then we'll start going down whatever dark path we have set aside. So that's still the same. Uh, I started playing this new game very recently called Pieces of Him. Okay, not heard of that. Uh, um, it's it's very narrative driven. Hmm. Um. In fact, I would say there's some there are some criticisms of the game that say it's really not much of a game since you're really you're maybe you're in you know you're a first person who's walking and really floating around. You have no corporeal body as far as I can tell. Yeah. But you just you interact with objects and then you see a little piece of story play out related to that object. Mm. But tend it tends to be there's only a few objects you can interact with at any given time and. Uh, I thus far haven't really encountered any point where I make a choice or anything other than just stepping through the linear story one, you know, button press at a time. So I I understand the criticism. However, the story seems to be kind of fun, and I want, really want to see where it's going. But there are, of course, times when I almost just wish the story would progress. Yes. When, like when I'm walking around somebody's flat and... I'm looking for the next object I'm supposed to click on so that I can progress the story a little bit more. Yes. And so I'm just, I'm looking like, okay, what do I click on? No, I can't click on you. What about you? Am I clicking on you? And you're looking and it was like, there was a picture on the wall or something that you had to click on to get the character to look at him. Like, oh, come on guys. Just yeah. help me out. Help me to help you. So <laughs> anyway, so that's, that's about the extent of my gaming experience. I have, uh, I have not been gaming so much because I've been using my free time uh, for mostly watching TV shows. I caught up in all the uh, the the superhero shows that I watch. Wait, it took you three months and you finally did it. <laughs> I did. I actually it, it took a very very concentrated effort, starting at about our last show, and and I I powered through them. And I say the ones that I watch because there are many more out there that I don't watch because yeah. I just don't have the time. And there's more coming, FYI. Yeah. The Black Lightning and Krypton have, have been announced and they're going to be starting up soon. So yeah, we're gonna... and Inhumans as well. Oh, yeah, and Inhumans. Yeah. On Which... both sides of the fence. I feel bad that I can't yeah. watch them all. Especially, I, I really feel bad I didn't watch Agent Carter. Yeah, I, the funny enough, that's the one I haven't watched. Mainly because it just it didn't get broadcast in an easily watchable way for me. But I hear I hear it was okay, even though it did get, get cancelled. Yeah, that's too bad because I I feel bad because it seemed like it was going to be a show I would like, but yeah. you know, I just didn't really ever have the time and wasn't on a day that I'm used to watching. And I'm I'm so into 
you know, my, my extended cable than going to a major network like it was on. It just never ended up working out. But yeah. so anyway, I've uh I've watched Castlevania though. Ooh, lots of people I know have been talking about this. I haven't personally seen it myself, but I hear from most people it's really good. It's just a shame it's so short. Yeah, it's incredibly short. I actually watched the whole first season, and I used that term loosely. Yes. Uh, I watched the whole first season in one night. Mm. It it's I mean the episodes they're four episodes and they're less than a half hour each. Yeah, it's 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 really not a big effort to. Uh, right. Get so it. I I was. I was going to do it because uh, I was actually going to be a guest on Almost Better Than Silence. Yeah. And they said, do you want to talk about Castlevania? And I'm thinking like, well, another show wants to have me on, and they basically want to have me talk about a show. So I figure I felt that for professional courtesy, I needed to put the same level of, of effort and prep into that as yeah, I would no, an I episode of Hero Talk, you know, because yeah. when you bring the Hero Talk guy on, you don't want me to show up and be, oh, I didn't watch it. Oh, you know, <laughs> yeah, I was busy. Yeah, that would make Hero Talk a very different show if you just turned around <laughs> it. Uh... Yeah, so I felt, okay, I need to I need to not only watch the show, but I need to do my homework and research and look at what actors were in it and who else uh, was involved in the project and how it related to the overall Castlevania lore, like that sort of stuff. The thing is, I would do. And yeah. fortunately, for the series being so short, I was able to do that pretty quick. Yeah, that's that's the nice thing. Yeah, that's that's sort of the unsung part of Hero Talk that nobody understands is when, when I say, like, especially if it's going to be a season. I, I recently recorded, and it'll go up uh, probably next month. I recorded uh, Flash Season 1 for Hero Talk. Okay. So the prep work for that is an entire season of a TV show, Oof. plus notes and research. Oh, no. So those those ones are rough, I'll tell you. And and there there are times where what I usually have done is I will watch the first episode and the last episode, and I'll make notes, yeah. and I'll I'll still probably catch half the season. But yeah, I mean, that's tw that's twenty three hour long episodes. That yes, is a lot of show yeah. prep. <laughs> so I try I try to pick the ones that were very story heavy. Yeah, that no that progressed the the overall arc, but I. Yeah, normally you have websites that will kind of say, like, these are kind of the story episodes and these are the filler, filler episodes. Yeah. Now, for since I'd seen it before, I, I, I still had the memories, so I was fairly good to go there. But if, if I'm trying to do a show that I've never watched before, I will actually sit and watch that whole season. And those could be those could be a lot of time to, to prep for. So, But this yeah. one was nice and short, and so uh, I've... I liked it a, a quite a bit. I was entertained by it, although I, I did I did think that there were times... It's it's very gory. I will say that. It's yes. very yeah, gory lot, and adult. A lot of people have said that. And I'm, I am not typically one who gets squeamish about it. In fact, I shouldn't say I get squeamish. I didn't get squeamish about it. But I, I don't feel like you need to not be gory. You know, I, I, I don't have a think of the children attitude yes. or anything like that. But... I what I do think is that there were times in this particular series where because they were just trying to push it they they maybe crossed the lines of good taste. Yes, like that, that, that can happen. Yeah. So, again, I'm not going to say it was too gory. I'm just going to say it wasn't tasteful. And in, mm. in in certain instances it wasn't tasteful when they were trying to go out of their way to to show how gory things were. But Yeah. Uh, so what else has been doing? I Oh, do you know what just happened? No, go on, tell me. Hallmark just started releasing their Christmas ornaments for this year. <laughs> and as as I have a problem, yeah. 
I uh, I went out and started buying my Christmas ornaments for the for the coming season. <laughs> okay, what ones have you got in mind? All right, so I got there's one. Uh, they took it from the 1969 Batman movie. Yeah, or yeah. the 66 Batman movie, I should say. Uh, it was it was the Batcopter. Okay. So it was like the full Batcopter and a little mini Burt Ward and a little mini Adam West in there. So I picked up that one because you know Adam West and sad, and I yeah, wanted to no, definitely. wanted to put a put him on the tree. Um, yeah. Then there was a bunch of Disney princesses that I feel at this point I'm I'm honor bound and obligated to buy. But yeah, definitely. At this stage of the game, though, I don't buy princesses that I already have because some of them will get a new ornament every single year. Yeah, that's the power of the Disney princesses, though. Yeah. But uh, Moana finally got a keepsake ornament this year, so I was able to get Moana. And uh, there was a Beauty and the Beast anniversary one. But of course, I felt like I've had so many Beauty and the Beast ornaments, but that's yeah. that's what everybody wanted. So, so that was it. That was, it was Batman admit, and a bunch of princesses. Yeah, I must admit, I tune in whenever I tune into Hero Talk. I, I await to your update when it comes to Christmas ornaments because <laughs> they're really not. They're not really as far as i'm aware something that you get over in the uk and anytime you picture it i am just imagining you in a room kind of a golem-esque figure just surrounded by these christmas (laughs) ornaments yeah there are many it is it is where i have directed my my collector bug that's fine it's not a bad way not a bad place to put it yeah, I mean it's. I mean it can get a bit expensive i've really tried to limit it to just buy one or two uh, probably closer to five per year (laughs) Closer to five. Yeah, I think this year I did six. So, uh, but there are some years where I I've done like fifteen ornaments because there's oh, been wow. so many. Yeah. Be- I mean, the thing is, these ornaments they they they're they're not just you know little pretty bulbs or stars. They're all characters, and then and then I don't include the ones that the day after Christmas I show up because that's when the sales start. Yes, but I was actually very surprised that. I guess half surprised that Wonder Woman didn't get a new ornament this year. You know, with, yeah, you'd you'd think with the movie now. Uh, now Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman had an ornament last year from Batman v Superman. Oh, of course, yes. And it was it was part of a it was part of a set that actually they they came with like these desktop displays that you could display them together. So Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. But I would have thought, given that Wonder Woman is basically the most successful superhero movie that DC has ever done. Yes. I don't actually. I haven't actually qualified that statement. I haven't looked to see if that's true, but mm. I'm confident enough that it's probably true that yes. I'm going to say it. Given DC's recent record, yeah, you're probably right on yeah. that. Yeah, and in understanding, I don't. I think Dark Knight probably still made more money, but yeah, but it, I think in terms of general impact and publicity, I think. Y- yeah, I I will I will agree. It was. It was one of my favorites. I it's my favorite superhero movie they've done, and I say that understanding that Chris Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy is sort of in its own world and yes. its own camp. So I I treat that differently than I would mm. a, a regular superhero movie, in that I revere it a little bit more than yes. maybe is healthy. No, I I, I think that's right because yeah, the Nolan movies came at a time before like just about um, the kind of idea of cinematic universes kind of existed. So so the Nolan films were just here's some films. They all vaguely yeah. join together in the sense that they have the same character, but we're not spending half our film hinting at things that may happen in the future. Yeah, I. Uh, that's it's starting to get a little old sometimes in, in some of these Marvel projects where yeah. I feel like they've dedicated at least a third of the script to try to remind us that there's a new Avengers movie coming out soon. Yes. I know, I know but, what you mean. I 
No, I'm not, not, not to promote myself too much, but funnily enough, I, I actually I wrote an article recently about that kind of saying, the MCU is nearly 10 years old now, and as much as I love it, is it mainly time, time to stop? Because it's now getting so big that even they are struggling to control it and to make everything make sense. I, you know what? There's there's a good point to be made there. Quite frankly, it's mm. it, it is getting a little cumbersome, and I, maybe maybe Secret or Infinity War is that is it yeah, Infinity, Infinity War? War? Yeah, maybe Infinity War will, I guess, thin the herd a little bit. But yeah, I I just I really feel like this was a great idea when it was just you know two or three movies a year, but yeah. now there's so many movies and there's so many tie-ins. It's it's really becoming a bit cumbersome just cognitively to be aware of what else what else is out there what else came out what order was i supposed yeah. to see these movies in well yeah because one of the po- big points i made in my piece is for example like uh if you, if you look at daredevil he that the and the netflix series in general they've been super super popular and they in the un- in the fiction of the show they all occur in the same place but we're never going to see daredevil in the movies just because of contract stuff yeah and it's like that's the problem they've created for themselves and yeah. It's. I mean, it, they're making all kinds of money hand over fist. So maybe, yes. maybe don't listen to me. You know, I think. Maybe... Wait a second. I think you mean hand over iron fist. Oh, I walked yeah. into that one. You did. And the funny thing is, <laughs> given that Iron Fist is probably the weakest of the Netflix series, it's quite funny that they still made money over it. <laughs> yeah, they they sure did. So, but any so that's kind of my yeah. hallmark. And and in a side note, what I thought about Wonder Woman. Yeah. No. It's good, so, and obviously, if you want more about Greg, I Greg's uh, views on Wonder Woman, I, I recommend the hero talk you did in, immensely, and not just because I know you and I will happily promote your stuff, but that episode, <laughs> in, that episode in particular, is really good. Uh, Wes did fantastically, especially given that it was her first time, well, second time on a podcast. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, thoroughly recommend it. Yeah, she did. She did an amazing job uh, because the last time she was on a podcast, she was basically being interviewed, yeah. which is. Is a little bit easier than saying, "Here's a hero talk prep. We're going to talk about all of this stuff." And she did, yes. she did a good job. But when you figure what she does is, you know, she's a streamer, yes. So she is quite used to having to speak into the empty void, yes. Which is and, which is what you have to do for podcasting, <laughs> right? And she's one of the good streamers who don't just sit in absolute silence when nobody's like in chat, yeah. Because you see those streamers, and sometimes they creep me out because they're just playing the game and the cameras on their face. And yeah. they're just silent playing because, you know, nobody was watching or nobody was in chat. So they're just playing the game. And it's really creepy because you almost want to think, why is the camera? Maybe take the yeah. camera off. You can just play the game. You don't need to just turn your, your stream on. But yeah. Wes is one of the one of the better, if not the best at this, is Wes will continue to talk and interact regardless of who's in chat talking to her. She she puts out a good product when she yes, streams definitely. and that's and i think that's why she's continues to gain popularity is because what tends to happen for me is when i go into somebody's stream and they're silent and they're playing the game and i don't say anything i'm just do they yeah. are they chatting do they even do they care yeah do they want people there do they not yeah. and it's yeah. do they want me to talk or is this one of those not so i back out but mm. when you when you go into wes and in chat she's interacting with you already when you get there the second yeah. you turn on her her stream, she's she's there and she's talking into the camera right at you, talking about what she's doing and, and what's going on. Yeah. Uh, so it's anyway that sort of thing does tend to translate a little bit easier towards a podcast where 
it, it, one of the hardest parts for some new people is I don't know when I'm supposed to talk and I don't know what I'm supposed to say. Yeah. And, and I mean, the, the thing about Wes is she naturally has the, the inclination as to when to talk and what to say. And she already has practiced just monologuing a little bit about her point. So it's, it was very, very, very easy to record with her. She was, she has a natural talent for it if she ever wanted to get into this side of the fence. But yes, I think she's, I think she's perfectly happy where she's at, quite frankly. De- de- definitely. Uh, so anyway, uh, speaking of podcasts, I have been on so many lately. Yeah, you've been I felt all over the place. I really felt like I sort of owned the podcasting world for the last week. I've, I've been, I've been on all of them, but I just want to, I just want to plug my most recent appearances on these podcasts because that's what we do. That's understandable. Uh, so plug for from enthusiasts.com. I am on the most recent point streak where we talk superhero video games and I am on the most recent behind the line radio where we talk about the uh, the difference in mentality when approaching a good video or bad video game versus a bad movie. Okay, that's, that's and that was, interesting. That was that was a very interesting topic. And so mm. the host, uh, the host Nick, not you, Nick, the other yeah. Nick, we'll call him Enthusiast Nick on this show. Good plan. Because on our other shows, we call you GWB Nick, so it just makes oh, sense. I know. I didn't even know I got a mention. Uh, thank you. Yeah, you 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 get talked about from from time to time. So. So enthusiastic Nick, he has a he he brought in an actor to come in and talk about the movie side of, the, of things. Okay, yeah. So it, it was a it was a really great perspective because you have somebody who who is a professional actor and and theater trained, and so being able to talk about a lot of different aspects of of the experience between movies and video games, and it was it ended up being a really great conversation. I said once we were off air, I said it's a shame I'm in this one because I would yeah. have really liked to have listened to it. Yeah, I saw you make that comment on Twitter, and I do kind of know what you mean, that when you're involved in something, you spend so much more time critiquing yourself that you don't always listen to the actual content. Right, right. The only podcast that I'm in that I listen to is Hero Talk, because yeah. I feel, as, as as being a part of Hero Talk, I owe it to myself to listen in order to improve and to, and to see how things go, but... Yeah. It, generally speaking, if I'm a guest on the podcast, I won't listen to it because I'm just, I'm too focused on myself. Yes. Where, and I think maybe because Hero Talk is my show, I'm focused on the show itself when I listen. But mm, no, I know, anyway. I know, I know what you mean, and I, I find it tough listening back to this. I, I, I don't tend to listen to my own show because it just, mm-hmm. it's just a bit strange and a bit self-centered. Yeah, I get that. So anyway, so outside of Enthusiasts, I was on as of recording time, though I think a new one's getting due up really soon. I was on the most recent video game crosstalk podcast. Okay. Uh, so that was, that, that was a lot of fun to do. Um, he, I, I had talked to him about being on a podcast months ago and he said, well, I'm set for the next few months. And I said, that's great. I am super busy for the next few months. <laughs> yeah. So we, we finally were able to get together and I was in video game crosstalk. And as I mentioned before, I was on almost better than silence. I had a great time with almost better yeah, than that, those that was, guys. That was, great, that was yeah. a great episode. They're lovely people. Even if the podcast did, their podcast did open in a quite a controversial way. Uh, where according to them, I'm dead. Apparently, I'm they dead. they definitely just were very dismissive about you were a former uh, former, former guest, guest. Yes. on the show. It was very it was very final and very awkward. Yeah, I so also I want have... to point out. I I just I don't want to undo video game cross talk. That was also very fun to record. Yeah, I understand that. Contrasting what I just said, if one sounded like I did that and it was good, and this one was super fun. Video game yeah. cross talk also fun. So listen to Anthony Russi's podcast, Video Game Crosstalk. But yeah, almost better than Silence. They uh, they they put you in the grave a little bit. Yes, they did. And the funny thing is, I've um yeah, and I've been on their show twice, and there's a chance I might be popping up again. So thanks for that, guys. 
<laughs> well then, yeah, I, I guess. I, yeah, it was awkward. It was definitely yeah. awkward. But you, yeah, you you came to my rescue, so thank you. Well, no problem. I I, I had to step in there a little bit. Yeah. Was like, hey, wait a minute. I'm still co-host of the Greg Without Borders podcast here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear, dear, dear. That I had to toss that in. All right, yeah. but that's that's we basically not... been the the most uh, interesting parts of me for the last three months. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And again, um, just like you were saying, as I'll transition to what I've been up to, this isn't necessarily what I've been doing over the last three months. It's more what I've been doing in the last couple of weeks because my memory is terrible. So I'll start off with games, uh, just because I have just been kind of wanting something to distract myself, something to do. I've got, come back into Shadow of Mordor. Uh, the main story is done, and I'm just kind of picking stuff up and picking up some achievements and trying to just clear the map a bit. And it's nice, and obviously I've got to the point where I'm much more competent when it comes to the combat and stuff. So it, it a, a bit like Horizon Zero Dawn, the first few hours of Shadow of Mordor were a bit were tough, understanding its systems and all that. But I think I've put like 30 hours into it now. So yeah, enjoyable game. Would recommend it if yeah. it goes on sale again. Uh, I'm some... pretty sure it's still on sale on Xbox right now for four dollars. Oh wow, that's 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 incredible. Yeah, so if, yeah, if you're an Xbox owner, definitely would recommend it if you've uh, not played I, it before. I have that game. I have not gotten around to playing it, but it's it's one of those really really want to play, especially with what is it, War for Mordor? Or... Uh yeah, Shadow of War. The uh, Shadow se- of War with, with that. With that coming out, I, I I need to play this game. I'm not even a big Lord of the Rings fan, but yeah. it just looks amazing. And well, t- <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm going to be honest. That I have read the Lord of the Rings a couple of times. I've uh, seen the films, so I have a bit of knowledge. But a lot of the references they made went over my head. Like it, it goes deep into the universe. I think. Huh. So I wouldn't worry too much about not being a Lord of the Rings fan. Being a Lord That's... of the Rings fan didn't help. That's fine. I mean, I the way I figure is I was able to enjoy The Force Unleashed, and I wasn't that big a Star Wars fan, so... Yeah. It this... tends to be when they do this side lore, there's only just enough winky nods to, to keep the casual fan interested. But yes. Yeah. yeah. Other, yeah. other than that, I'm more than happy to just to play these side games and, and learn about the lore that way. Yeah. Uh, I've also been playing a little bit, but not much, of uh, the game Shoe, which I spoke about a bit, um, bit in the last episode. Because it's been very nice. The developers got in touch with me, and um, I was I was able to get a free copy of the game for sort of review and promotional pur- pur- eh, pur- purposes. There you go. Got there eventually, and uh, it's enjoyable. It's just it's what I I kind of hinted at it in last episode is just for me personally and my skills and my ability. Precision platforming just isn't my game. And I, I kind of feel bad because I've been I've been trying to play it and get further in it, but I found myself getting increasingly frustrated at it. Not because the game itself is necessarily badly made or anything like that. It's just it's not something I'm good at, and I kind of feel bad. But I want I want to sing, I want I, I want to be, I want to help the guys behind this because they're great guys, and I, I really hope this game does well. And I kind of feel bad just thinking of all the people to get to kind of review and promote this game. I'm probably not the best. But so yeah, would definitely recommend it. It's a it's a lovely stylized platform. Really like the art style. And yeah, if 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 two D, if two D it's in places, it's also like one of those kind of endless runner games as well. But if if that's your thing, thoroughly recommend it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, uh, and then in terms of kind of looking forward, I'm very very excited because uh, the Formula One 2017 game comes out in about a month. And for once, given that this is a game that, relatively speaking, has quite a small uh, audience, they've done really well in the marketing. 
Uh, they've kind of been teasing new features and extra cars that are going to be involved. So I'm very, very excited, but I won't go on about it because I know that no one really cares. So there we are. Yeah. I have completely missed the bus on, on any racing game, but especially yeah. the Formula One racing games. Yeah, yeah. And I, I admit that they're really there for people that that appreciate the fact that yeah. when they announce the list of new features, most of it won't make sense to people, but it makes sense to right. me, so I'm happy. Uh, but I, I have a, a grand appreciation for these games and the amount of effort and detail yes. that goes into making one. Definitely, yes. Um, like, so I'm not a racing guy, so I understand most of it goes over my head and it's beyond me, but it's... If, if you can judge a work by the amount of love and attention that went into it, yes. these are definitely, I, I would say, if I, if you are a racing person, you need to be playing these games because they, yeah. they are, they are well done. It is, it is not like it used to be where every car is exactly the same. They, I, I they, I, it's, it's this painstaking detail, but yeah, and I just and don't want to play them. Yeah. And that's even, that's even more true, especially now, like graphics have improved mm. and yeah, and it's, it's amazing in games like this when you play like on circuits where just the sun is going down and you get all the reflections off the cars and it's like for oh, a racing yeah. game you wouldn't necessarily have to bother with that stuff but the fact they do bother for that stuff about mm-hmm. that stuff is yeah is testament to the huge amount of work they put into it uh this the next point i was going to mention was something that just illustrated the fact that we've been away for so long that i'm pretty sure in the last episode the first episode of the most recent season of Doctor Who had just broadcast, and I was all like, oh, I'm quite excited to see where the season goes. And now, as we record, uh, it actually it actually finished a couple of weeks ago. Hmm. Uh, I, it ended in an interesting way. The finale was a bit of a letdown in places. They kind of made the mistake they've made in the last couple of years of they tease a big major event, but then that gets sidelined for other stuff. And it's kind of like, if you're going to gonna focus on that, if you're going to make such a big deal out of this one thing, why are you kind of getting rid of it within 10 minutes? But but yeah, I, en- I enjoyed it and um, I'm very excited for what's happening yeah. at Christmas. And there is more I- docked. Sorry. So I was just gonna say I'm not really a, a Hoovian, so I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna trust you on that. I've... Yeah, no, it's a, I thought it was a solid solid season. We've had worse, we've had better. Yeah, last time Let's... I saw a Doctor Who, Chris Eccleston was the Doctor. Oh God, it's been twelve <laughs> years, Greg. Come on. <laughs> well, I've been busy, and the, yeah. so here's here's why I don't want to. It it's because it's not just that I'd have to start at Chris Eccleston's run. Yeah. Um. Although I do find that you can really annoy a Doctor Who fan if you refer to Chris Eccleston as the first Doctor. Yeah. Well, it's funny. Yeah, it's funny enough, and I'm <laughs> I'm going to do something a bit later on that could piss off some very the very pedantic people in the world, but we'll get yeah. back to that. Yeah. So, but that that's that's sort of my fun thing to do is because if you just happen to mention that casually, Doctor Who fans will get a nosebleed until they correct you. Yes. But th- the truth is, is that the series goes back to what the '60s is when it started. Yeah. 60, yeah. Sixty-three. And so there is a ton of history. And mm. and there is not only that, but uh, it's there is no place you could possibly go to get that complete history. There are no. episodes that are just lost. Yeah, yes, there are they, episodes they, that do not exist. It's just they have possible. ceased to be. Yes. So, uh, I, so I don't know if I could ever go back and watch it. And I don't like the idea of jumping in at this this modern continuation. Yeah. To Without the yeah, it's just it, it, yeah. It, it's it's that part of my brain that says you need to either see it as a whole or you need to not see it at all, and I I've, I've chosen the latter. Yeah, I get that, but I I would say the the modern the revived series like obviously it references back, but it is very self-contained, like 
I think you get the sense in the early episodes of the quote unquote first series of the revived of they are bringing back they are they go into the very basics of who and what everything is. So yeah, and I yeah you do get the odd kind of wink and nudge references back to the old series, but it's not expecting you. I think for that very reason that it's so difficult to have caught up to have watched mm-hmm. the fifty odd years of history that exist. Yeah. So then there's the other issue is that, so since Doctor Who keeps changing, and I'm sure we'll get more into this later, since Doctor Who keeps changing, I can't ever really develop a good rapport with the lead character. That's, yeah, I can, I kind of get that. I mean, one of my, one of my turnoffs when somebody wanted me to bring it back to is that I thought, I actually kind of like Chris Eccleston, and... So then he's going to leave, and it's going to be David Tennant. And the last thing I saw David Tennant in was Jessica Jones, where he was a despicable individual. Yeah, that, that yeah. <laughs> and and so I just think I I just kind of want to watch. Keep watching. I want to keep watching Chris Eccleston. He was Destro yeah. for crying out loud. That's fair. To be fair, <laughs> I think to, if I think of the modern Doctors, if the closest you'll get to Eccleston is is try Capaldi's run, I think, because he does go the darker, slightly more serious route. And that's been the the last two of them. Uh, last three, actually. Okay. And wow, three. Out. Yeah, he's out at Christmas. Wow, he had a he had a good run. Well, yeah the the last three Doctors have done three seasons, I think. Okay, I thought they were just doing like one and done. Oh no, uh, yeah, Eccleston did one. Tennant did like three and a half, basically. Matt Smith did three, and Capaldi's done three. Okay. All right. Yeah. I I guess I guess I missed the point in. And, yeah. and lost that, so that's on yeah. me. That is, that's yeah. I. I will go ahead and admit ignorance there. Good, good. To very briefly jump back to films, uh, it's out in the cinemas at the moment. I'm quite excited to see Spider-Man: Homecoming. I actually just need to go out and actually see it. But from what I've heard, people say it's really good. They like the new approach that they've taken, and especially since Spider-Man films seem to have been really hit and miss. Like, there's a lot of love for Spider-Man 1 and 2, but obviously 3 is a bit infamous, and then I don't think the Amazing Spider-Man films did particularly well. I didn't so, even see them. No. I have I have seen the Amazing Spider-Man 1, but not in the cinema. I was literally just being broadcast on, like, terrestrial television, so... I, one I had just, no desire. Yeah. None. No, not at all. But yeah, I'm excited. I'm interested to see it. Uh, I, I, think, I think a few people have been presently surprised, because a lot of, like... The trailers and things almost suggested, oh, is this Iron Man four? But I, yeah. I, I don't think it's quite as bad as a lot of those trailers suggested. That's that's good because I, I will admit I was very put off when I watched the trailers yeah. with just how much Iron Man was in them. Yeah, and I think the obvious answer is from a trailer perspective, you want to get your big star in there, so you get you put lots of Robert Downey Jr. in it. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if he's only actually in say twenty minutes of that film. Yeah. The, so yeah. I, they did the same thing with Godzilla and Brian Cranston, so I, yes. I get that. Yeah, that's that's always a problem. I think the, it, it always seems like the studios and the trailer people don't talk to each other, which is just odd to me. Like, I get that they're different people, right? I don't, yes. I don't want your big director to be making a, a trailer. That's not really his job, and that's probably a waste of his of his abilities. But whoever you get to do the trailer, you would think they would have some basic guidance in terms of show this. Don't show this. Yes, but, but some it sometimes it definitely feels like it was it was a team that just made a trailer based on the dailies without context and yeah, and they had no notes from the studio and nobody checked it. They just sent it off. Mm. 
Yeah, especially with uh, with a lot of these trailers that try to give away the third act twist. Yeah, it's never a good idea. Yeah, why would you ever do that? That's it. Just reeks of desperation. It's like you have to see it. Check out this twist that's gonna come. Oh. Yeah, which yeah, I've yeah. seen the twist now. I'm less likely to see it. Yeah, but yeah, that one. movies do have a bit of a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the last thing I want to touch on because I realize we've been talking about what we've been doing for nearly an hour is I just want to briefly promote an article I wrote that I've decided to do. It's basically because obviously since starting this podcast and obviously getting to know a lot of people that do podcasting, I on occasion get asked questions. So like, how do you do it? What's involved? So I thought I'd kind of piece together a bit of a guide to just cover kind of the major points. So like what the sort of equipment you need, sort of problems that I found and had to overcome. So kind of if there are people listening to this thinking, oh, I'd quite like to try this podcasting uh, thing for myself. I've, I've put this together. I'll leave a link in the show notes. I... I'm kind of in the back of my mind thinking about this being something that I kind of update over time if I start mm-hmm. if I think of new things in there. And obviously I do make a big thing in the piece that I fully admit that I myself am an amateur or a hobbyist. I don't have all the answers, but I'm just wanting to impart the experience that I have had. Yeah. So yeah, so 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 relevant to this. I read your article by the way. All good <laughs> advice. All oh, definitely you. relevant advice for people who want to start a podcast. It's it's a good place to start. And it answers a lot of, of very frequently asked questions that a lot of people yes. have, especially because this this is one I used to get all the time, um, even by some some of the people and enthusiasts who didn't quite understand, is you, they'd be asked, why don't we just have iTunes host our podcast? Yeah, and it's like, no, can't do that. Yeah, you're like, yeah, that's that's not how iTunes works. Yeah, they, iTunes is, that, is very basic, actually. They're a middleman. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I, I sometimes get frustrated with how basic iTunes is because... If they weren't such a huge share of the market, yeah, I, would, I would I would not be pandering to them as much as I do with, with my content and with my 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 feed. But, mm, but I was uh, I was to. on yeah you have to I was on Twitter uh, yesterday and somebody who uh, we follow each other and he has a, he has a, another podcast uh, I'm not recalling right off the top of my head but nobody from our circle just uh, yeah. another individual came in and he said that somebody had approached him. And asking if this was a good price, that they were going to go to a podcasting seminar where for $500 they would teach you how to make a podcast. Oh. And and I need to point out, there is a t-shirt. Oh, okay. Oh, that makes all the difference. Yeah. So it was, I was just, I, I rolled my eyes because knowing, you know, this article was here and I read it, I'm like, there's so many free resources of yeah. people who want to help you out, but you're going to go to this person who's $500. Yeah, $500 to say, here's Audacity, buy a decent microphone, you know, check yeah. out Pinecast, check out Podbean, don't use Podcast Garden, just trust me on that one. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, like, like you say, I am not the first person to write articles like that. There are better written, more professional, more expansive articles telling you the same thing. So yeah, the information is out there. It is out there, and it's free, and I mean, you can just buy a t-shirt with the money you save. Yeah. Do, yeah, do that. Buy yourself a celebratory t-shirt saying, I did not waste money. Yeah, you should buy yourself a Gamers Without Borders t-shirt. Do we have t-shirts? No, I've, I've, I have joked in the past about doing it, and I have kind of, I might make a one-off t-shirt for myself. <laughs> like, if when we reach, like, 50 episodes or something, and I'll take a picture of me wearing it. But no, I've, ne- I've never looked at uh, merchandise in the, yeah. in the long term. I looked briefly for the enthusiasts about putting out some merchandise, and I thought, yeah. how absolutely vain would I look yes. if I put out there and be like, buy yourself an enthusiast t-shirt, kids. Nobody yeah. wants, other than us. Yes, other than us for our own self-obsession. 
right to to say we've done this yeah so if if there was going to be a gamers without borders t-shirt it would probably be you me and dapper yeah and maybe the... brad if we can convince him <laughs> maybe brad hey brad buy a t-shirt yeah buy a t-shirt brad <laughs> i will i will I'll, i will tell you directly how i when i made one and i'll send you one I, w- I will say I, I did once come close to buying a good uh, a t-shirt from our good friends, the One Track Gamers, and the only reason I didn't is I couldn't find out a way to make their store not try and charge you in dollars, so I couldn't be asked. Oh, well, yeah, currency I don't think... is a big thing. Yeah. yeah, not fun. But anyway, so yeah, we may or may not have some unofficial merchandise at some point. Well, excellent, excellent. Yeah. Buy it, kids. Buy it, even though you probably won't be able to. But <laughs> at the very, at the very least, you might f- see a picture of me in an ill-fitting T-shirt or something. Well, I mean, that's what the, that's what they want. Nick. Yeah, that's, that is what, that's, give the people that's what, what they want. That's what brings the kids in. Yeah, oh, that's all. That sounds. No, that sounds. Uh, no, no. You know what? That yeah. That I knew it was wrong as soon as it came out. Yeah, let's just transition away from this <laughs> uh, into the news. Lots of news. A few, few different topics. Uh, but continuing on, uh, funny enough, despite this being a quote-unquote video games podcast, continuing on our Doctor Who uh, <laughs> tangent, big news, it was announced in the last week or so, that we have our 13th Doctor, and this news caused a very annoying part of the internet to explode, uh, because it is Broadchurch actress Jodie Whittaker, so we are having a female Doctor for first time, and... Most rational, nice people have welcomed the decision. It's an interesting new direction. It should be fun. It's just there's a very small portion of people out there that are like, no, it can't, no, it can't be, can't have a woman, can't do it. There no. were, yeah. So there were, I counted four different subsets of the outrage. There was the the initial outrage. There mm. was there was a an alt outrage, which is outrage about the decision, but for different reasons. Yeah. Uh, there was uh, a counter outrage, which was the outrage at the people who were outraged, and then yep. there was the outrage outrage of people who basically were just going, who have, like don't have any personal interest in Doctor Who at all, but needed to comment on the fact that there was outrage, and yep. there was a woman, and then th- that, you know, she's not the first woman who was the lead of a science fiction show, Yeah, and I remember thinking, I don't remember anyone ever claiming that, yep. so, but yeah, there was, I mean, there, there, were, there were all these different outrages about, you know, it was, it's the PC culture is trying to infest Doctor Who, and, and then there's yeah. the other. Well, like there was not enough trying. It, it was it was the the internet was a mess for a little yes. while. For yes. quite frankly, somebody who's probably going to be a really good Doctor. Yeah, so yeah, I'm yeah. Like admittedly, I've not I've not seen any of her work, and if anything, that makes me willing to be a bit more open. That I'm not going to compare her to her in other roles. I'm just going to see her as this as a as a different approach. Yeah, she was in. I really remember her from Attack the Block. Yes, I've I've not seen that myself, but I've heard that mentioned that. Yeah, she was in that as well. Yeah, and uh, was it John Boyega was in Attack the Block with her, who yes, went he on was. to be Finn from Star Wars. So yeah, and one the last thing I will mention before I get attacked by Hoovians is uh, the headline for this article, and I put it in the show notes. Will say Thirteenth Doctor because that's what all the promotional material says. Even though, yes, technically speaking, she's the fifteenth, but we're not getting into that now. Yeah, just, just, not just give it a rest. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not going to please that tiny portion of the internet that cares. <laughs> um, this next bit of news is quite a major bit of news and kind of 
of all the time we've been off air, I thought it'd be silly not to mention this, at least in some way, although I'm going to be brutally honest and say I don't have a huge either knowledge or interest about this, but uh, Project Scorpio was revealed to be the Xbox One X, and that was revealed at E3. This is uh, Microsoft's fully-fledged 4K console. Mm-hmm. Uh, so interesting stuff. We will leave a link um, to a kind of breakdown of it all, but if you care about the specs and you understand what a teraflop is and things like that. Yeah, the one okay. comment so, I- so we've, we've been through this, Nick. Uh, p- yeah. People, I know what a teraflop is. Yeah, it's, I have a it, rough idea what it is. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's not an interesting thing to tell. It, no. I, I don't understand how this became the, the go-to metric for whether or yeah. not something is, is fast oh. or powerful is, is yeah, teraflops. I don't know either. But yeah, the one, thing I, the one thing I will mention is a lot of people have been saying in like interviews and stuff, it's getting really difficult to differentiate when people are saying Xbox One S and Xbox One X. So perhaps they should have come up with a better name. I liked Scorpio, quite I was, frankly. I was going to say, I think if like Scorpio, because we didn't know anything about it for so long, Scorpio kind of spent so long in the public domain that a lot of people have got used to it. And I know it doesn't fit in with their brand, but I honestly think it would have worked. And I, I think I, I, I think it would have worked. I still sometimes refer to it as Scorpio because as this isn't the hottest take in the world. Obviously, I think we're now lukewarm takes. Lukewarm take. Xbox One X is a terrible name. Yep. It's it's just it doesn't roll right. It doesn't feel right. And and honestly, and this is it had the opposite effect on me that I think Microsoft wanted. I saw this, and when I saw all of the Xbox One X stuff, I thought, huh, not for me. And, but yeah. it, what it did say for me, and I guess this is in their benefit, is that if I was looking to upgrade, I would probably buy an Xbox One S. And for yes. those of you who are now hearing me say that and don't know which one I said, that was Xbox One Sierra, not Xbox One X-Ray. Yep. Even that would have been a better name, the Xbox One X-Ray. <laughs> that would have made more sense and it would have alleviated a lot of this confusion. Scorpio was such a good name. Yeah. I don't get it. I was I actually really dug Scorpio. I thought that was a great name, and they didn't use it, and I'm yeah, sad. Yeah, because it because it was so different. Because it broke away from giving things numerical designations, which it is... did. It did, and it was. I was. We need to get Xbox needs to get away from the new numerical. PlayStation has the system, and and they got they started yeah. it first, so they can they yeah, can survive. <clears throat> they can survive far longer than than anyone else could. But yes. It, the Xbox, they're one behind, so they need to stop naming it because it's just going to be conspicuous. Definitely. But yeah, so moving, like I said, we will leave it. It's not an area that I have that much knowledge of, so I didn't want to kind of say stuff without the knowledge to back it up, so I will leave a link if people are curious. But obviously, a lot of time has passed. Anyone that's interested in has probably either knows about it or has bought one, so but I felt obligated to mention it. Um, I will, I'll give Greg this next one because he put it in and... Uh, all right, so it it just kind of came out very suddenly that um, Casey Hudson, who was uh, he came from Mass Effect, he was I, b- I believe creative director on the project, mm-hmm. and he left Bioware a few years back to a surprising amount of praise. Uh, I guess it shouldn't be surprising. So Mass Effect causes some very strong feelings in its fan base. Yes, uh, especially he became very prominent in the Mass Effect 3 marketing and in mm. fact it was a lot of the words coming out of his mouth were things that people were bringing back up again after the ending debacle uh, yes. because objectively speaking there were definitely times where he said some things that would were 
very much intended to lead you down one direction as sort of a deflection away from the so the I'm not going to talk about the ending. No. But I I will say that uh, uh, objectively speaking based on stuff that BioWare themselves has put out, the ending was left until the very last minute to make. Yeah. And it the the ending in its original form whether you felt it was good or bad, definitely felt like it was given less time than everything else. So I'm not even, we're not even going to talk about objective quality of the storytelling. I'm just going to say the, the overall way in which they told the story shifted to make up for what I had to presume was a lack of scheduled time to work on. And it also, it affected the rest of the story because the story is basically built up around a MacGuffin. And then mm. it felt like we get to get to the end, and now it's okay. We got to figure out what the MacGuffin does, and yes. that's what they did. So it was, yeah, it it, it was it, it caused some harsh feelings. Now there are people who absolutely loved it, and they they didn't mind that the last twenty minutes or so was something different, and that's that's fine. I do not want to talk about that. But for those of who were upset, Casey Hudson sort of became the face for that. Yes. And so he left, and everyone was kind of happy, and now he's coming back to be the general manager of BioWare Edmonton, I believe. Okay. So I, so th- here's the funny thing. is, So when he comes back, a lot of those same people are basically saying, yeah, but you know what? Mass Effect Andromeda was kind of such a mess. Now, I didn't think it was a mess, but granted, I'm not that far into it. Yes. So I, I will admit that, but what I've played has been perfectly fine, and... I know lots of people who have played the game in its entirety who have no major complaints about it. It's it's anything people say is usually little nitpicky stuff generally about how it had a hard time trying to make itself a grander scale and there are some stories yes. that came out about that which I I I don't really want to get into the BioWare beatdown game. It's not fun for anyone. No. But but I don't I I don't think Mass Effect Andromeda was a failure. I I thought it I thought it was fine, and it was great for kicking off a new series. Uh, apparently, Bioware disagreed with me because they've shelved it. Oh, have so, they? Oh, wow! I, did, I hadn't heard that. Oh yeah, they've uh, they've decided that they uh, they are not going to be producing new Mass Effects for a while. They have placed it on the shelf for the time being. Oh, that's it, not good because I think yeah, it's, it's yes, it had its problems, but it seemed like a lot of people put effort into Andromeda. There was a lot of hope behind it. That's a real shame. Yeah, I mean, I really feel like they they eventually could have they could have actually realized their vision for what they wanted the game to be, which they basically wanted the game. If if you read some of the original design documents, is they wanted the game to sort of be No Man's Sky, but with Bioware's story in it. Yeah, which sounds really really awesome. Hmm. But well, that kind of depends on your feelings towards No Man's Sky, but yes. Yeah. Well, I think if you were one of those people who saw No Man's Sky. It, but I, I think what I what I'm really trying to say is it was they wanted to procedurally generate an entire yes. galaxy to explore, yeah. But they wanted to be able to in that procedural generation place you know the the typical BioWare story elements that they could put in there. Mm. Uh, unfortunately, I I think the scale that they found. I, I mean, I, look at No Man's Sky. There, there's definitely limitations to doing that in terms of the amount of repetition you're going to see, to the amount of monotony you're going to see. I I understand that why you shouldn't just strictly do that just because yes no i and yeah I, I completely agree with you on that as well so i i it, it it's on one hand you want to give people a whole galaxy to explore and and i think if we will eventually and no man's sky paved the way and yes. it, it was in terms of being a proof of concept no man's sky is 
pivotal, and I think yes, e- even if the game itself probably wasn't the the most engaging in terms of story and narrative, but mm. I I think twenty years from now people are gonna point to that game and say like this was a game changer that people just didn't even realize because yeah. It's, it's think, gonna it's gonna open the door for you, you can it basically just proved you could procedurally generate an entire galaxy. Yeah, I th- I think we will one day see the game that No Man's Sky was hoped it would be. Whether right. that whether it comes from the same developers, I I would think. That's I very quite I very much doubt that. I think yeah. Mass Effect Andromeda would have wanted to be that, uh, yes. but it seemed like some design decision to said better to have a few planets strictly designed. Mm. than to have a lot of planets poorly designed. Exactly. And the and it's the shame is that they were just they were trying to do something that their engine really wasn't designed to do and No. No. And it presented some technical challenges. But so Casey Hudson's back and a lot of the people who were really against him following Mass Effect 3 seem to be on board with him coming back and it really kind of I I get the impression that they thought, well, you know what? He still was behind a lot of really good times and moments and games, and I think yeah. he could probably be a really successful uh, GM for Bioware. So mm, anyway, um, yeah. So that, that's that's kind of the yeah. big news on that front. Yeah, here's a weird bit of news that stuck out to me. So, um, weirdly, uh, a name from the past, Atari, they made a big announcement at E3 that all oh, will be revealing a new console. This is going to be an interesting <laughs> thing. And we haven't got a huge amount of details on it, but what they've revealed is what they're dubbing the Atari box, which is basically, it's kind of the same idea as the NES and the SNES classic of lots of retro games put in a device in a fancy shell that actually connects up and can work with a modern TV. And I think the the kind of thing that struck me about this is that if you ignore, in the case of Nintendo, the problems with uh, supply and maybe the price you can understand why they made it. They knew there was going to be demand for it. But then you look at Atari. Atari, the company that's probably most famous for nearly destroying video games as a whole. You kind of think, is there many people out there going, oh, I'd love to play those old Atari 2600 games. You know like, what strikes me, Nick? Uh, so, I, I don't know if if you have them over there, across the pond, as you like to say. Thanks. But there are, there are several Atari consoles here in, in the US that are basically... NES classics. They're they're yeah, little. I, you plug them into the TV, and they play a lot of classic Atari games. Yeah, I th- I think you can get them over there. Right? It's not an area I'm hugely knowledgeable about, but I yeah. think you can. And I, I, think I never like also... to presume, but yeah, I... yeah, and I think you can also get kind of the Sega equivalents as well. You absolutely can. In fact, the Genesis equivalent. Not only does it come with thirty games loaded up, but it still plays Genesis cartridges. Yes. Which is superior design to the NES and the Super NES Classic, by the way. Yes. Which, I just yeah, want to point that it... out there. That's that's what you need to do, Nintendo, is yeah, yeah. load it up with all these pre-canned games. So that's great, and people will play them, and they will enjoy them. But yes. if you let people stick their cartridges back in the top slot, mm. of course, Nintendo won't do that because they want you buying games directly from them. And if you're buying games and cartridges, you're not giving your money to Nintendo. Nope, and it's and it's funny. But I want to actually I want to get back to Nintendo's approach to this stuff in a minute. But yeah, so like I said, we don't they don't actually know a huge amount of details yet. Like we don't know the cost or the number of games, but they have yeah. just announced it, and or it's even, quite funny. Sorry, go ahead. They they said I, I only read the article. It was very vague, and this one this one description stuck out to me. Is it will play both classic Atari games and quote current content. 
Yeah, what what are Atari doing these days? Yeah, like so. What is the last game I remember from Atari was on on the the last generation? They did the Ghostbusters the game. Okay, which was actually a fun game. They brought in uh, all the original voice actors except for Rick Moranis because he's retired now and he means it, which is I <laughs> respect respect for yeah. that. Unlike Mark Hamill, who's come out of retirement about ten times. Yes, so I have respect for Mark Hamill too. I don't. Yes, the implication there is that I don't respect Mark Hamill. No, I do. But you know, I, when Rick Moranis says I'm done, and that means no, I'm not just going to go down and do some voice work for you. you. I have respect for that. But it's other than making a couple of games like that, and I'm sure they have others under the belt now. Well, would it be fun to be able to play those on a little mini box? Sure, but I own them. Yeah, and on the modern consoles, I don't yeah. understand what. Would it be, like, current content that's made in the old Atari style? Because that yeah, could I, get interesting. I don't know. Yeah, it's difficult to say. At the moment, we genuinely don't know very much, so we'd have to... No. but We'll have to wait and see. I just yeah. I just felt it was odd that everyone said, oh, Atari Box is going to come out with its own NES Classic-style console. And I thought, that's, they've had one for years. Yeah, it's just this is an official one with the company yeah. behind it. Yeah, so now but, they're yeah. at least pushing. But anyway... Yeah, and then this last bit of news, like, nothing is confirmed. This is just complete, complete rumour. But um, someone noticed that Nintendo have recently filed, like, trademarks and patents for a lot of its for a lot of its own old controllers. And you might be thinking, well, why the hell are they, hell are they doing that? They surely have all the necessary documentation for their old controllers. But this is leading some people to wonder if an N64 classic slash mini might be on the horizon. So this I... is this is terrifying for me. Yes, this Be- because I I don't mind the N sixty four. There I have a lot of good memories of playing my N sixty four. There were some good games on it. However, the idea that the rumor was kicked off because they were renewing controller patents that yeah. frightens me. Mm. That... Uh, yeah, I th- it's fr- it's frightening generally that people latch latch onto this and kind of. Like, who is... It almost makes you think that someone is sitting on, like, the United States or Japanese patent website, constantly refreshing, looking for new stuff, and it's like, oh. Yeah. I'm just... that The N64 controller was an atrocity. Yep. It, it was this weird trident-looking thing, and you had to put your hands in different spots for different games. Yeah, it, and it, it gave was, everyone blisters, as we well know, from Mario Party. It, it, was, it was not good, and I think... If if they could somehow make the controller for that more like the GameCube controller, which mm. was far superior, and, and it was uh, that was actually a really good controller, I liked it quite a bit. I think they might have something there because they were they were very similar in styles. I mean, the same buttons. It was just the, the your hand placement made more sense yes. on the on the GameCube controller than it ever did on on the N sixty four controller. But I just worry that they're gonna they're gonna ship it with those Triton controllers again. Yeah, I'm not the, excited the, for it. The the thing I find with um this whole push with these mini classic consoles is that there's almost part of my brain that goes, has Nintendo realised that people have, let's be honest, not legally been emulating all their old games, and they've only just remembered that emulation exists, so they're starting to go, okay, we'll try and stem the tide by releasing official legal ways to play these old games like that's that's almost the impression i get like this has come out of nowhere the nes classic again ignoring like the supply issues as an idea quite a cute idea and like you can see why they did it and then yeah instantly come out with the snes could we see an n64 people have joked are we going to see like a wii u mini even though the (laughs) wii u is only like five years old (laughs) 
Yeah. But, yeah, so, I don't know. I am not willing to ignore the supply and demand issues. I know, I know, I know. Because, nor, because... nor am I, but I, I just mean in, in the general kind of the business idea of why are they making these products? Like, what's the rationale behind them? Yeah, I just, I feel like because of their supply and demand issues, though, it's pushing people towards emulation now. Mm. People who otherwise wouldn't have been interested tried to get a, an NES Classic, could not, and so they thought, well, what are my alternatives? And if you have a bunch of cartridges, you can buy a Retron, and that could work. Yeah. Or, I mean, I will say that just based on my browser search history, I get a lot of very targeted ads for these little miniature consoles that play ROMs, yeah. and it may or may not come loaded with ROMs. I don't necessarily know, but it's definitely out there. And I I have known people who got a little Raspberry Pi computer and popped it in a case and loaded it up with uh, an OS and about 4,000 or so ROMs, and that's yep. what they're playing now because they just couldn't they couldn't do it legally. Yeah, and it's and yeah, that that's true. And yeah, from a from like a moralistic legalistic stance, that's not that's not the best approach. But even if you'll say someone that somehow has a working functioning NES, if you want to go and buy the original cartridges for that, you look on eBay and they cost you a huge amount of money. Oh yeah, have you ever seen what an, a copy of Earthbound or Mother, uh, as you would yeah, call it, I, goes for? Yeah, I cannot, I cannot imagine. It, I mean, we're talking if it's cartridge only, a hundred dollars. Yeah. So, I mean, it's ridiculous. And the the thing that really kind of gets me is because Nintendo has, they have the tools, they have the marketing. If their online services were better in which you had an account that you could purchase yes. old games on and they were tied to your account and not your console. Yeah, which they've only just started now. <laughs> right, which, which they are way, way behind yeah. on. If they yeah. could do that and then release the entire catalog for a reasonable price... People yeah. would be on that. I would be on that. But yeah, they, no, definitely. They're so reserved on the on that, and quite frankly, some of those prices are not fair. I, at one point in time, wasn't it like ten dollars for an N sixty four game? Yeah, and it's like the the crazy thing is an aspect of Nintendo taking the approach it does with online is that it sees itself as a family platform with a lot of children on it, so it naturally has to kind of put mechanisms in place so that those children can be protected but in the context of online stores and virtual game back catalogs that's not a problem like that doesn't matter like yeah. you should uh, but yeah you're right They've, i think we've we've spoken a lot about how nintendo could right and these a lot more these are all self-inflicted wounds for nintendo that's that's yes. the thing they, yeah. they, they could do better and it wouldn't be half as bad if it was if it wasn't for the fact that, like you say, Microsoft and Sony have been doing this and doing it well for years. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I mean, for the last decade plus, they've been doing it better. Yes. But I guess Nintendo just doesn't really want to make a ton of money. I don't know. No, no. Because that would do it. I'm telling you, if they if they said tomorrow, Nintendo came out and said, "Excuse me, Judge Greg." I, in this scenario, they're talking directly to me. It's a, like a personal phone call. Yeah, no, I can imagine that. Yeah. You get Miyamoto on the phone. Yeah. Yeah. Miyamoto I heard calls you on a podcast. Yeah, he said, hey, Judge Greg, I, I heard the Gamers Without Borders podcast, and you yeah. made some good points. Tomorrow, we are going to open up our entire back catalog for a reasonable cost. It will be tied to your account. You can download it to any of our consoles that you have an account on. And we're opening the whole thing. The whole thing's open. Everything that we have is available to you, the consumer. I would buy a Switch immediately. 
Yes. No, you know what? As long as I'm making the scenario, I would ask Mr. Miyamoto for a Switch, and he would give <laughs> one to me. Because, quite frankly, I'm not going to be able to go buy one immediately because they're not on the shelves, Nintendo. But... Yeah. <laughs> Although, I did I did see some uh, in the wild, so to speak, on Amazon uh, mm-hmm. yesterday in stock for Prime customers only. And I was, yes. I was tempted, but I thought, you know what? That... I don't like a two hundred dollar purchase, and actually, no, three hundred dollar purchase to be yeah. an Im- an impulse buy. No, I want that to be something I planned to to spend. So I decided yeah. not to buy it. It's it's weird for me. Like I I like the idea, I like the concept of the Switch. I like a lot of the games that are both out for it now and coming. But it's that part of my brain that goes, I can't consciously buy one while it's still more expensive than my PlayStation Four was. Like I, I, yeah. it, I can't do that. I can't rationalize it. I mean, what the Nintendo One S? They were, they were going for two hundred dollars at one point. Uh, what the what? The Nintendo. Sorry, did I say Nintendo One S? Because that's not yeah, a real is. thing. Yeah, Xbox, the Xbox One, S. One S. I am sorry. I crossed my. You know what, Nintendo? Don't start naming your stuff like that. Yeah. No, but no I, see, I don't want to I... inadvertently put that idea out there, and suddenly we see a Nintendo One yeah, S next that's... season. That was especially because. Be Especially because you're in near constant contact with Miyamoto. Right, because they're listening to this very podcast right here. They're, they're listening in the recording. They just sit in the Discord and listen to us. Right, which is creepy, and I wish they would stop sending lewd pictures in chat. Yeah, come on, uh, Shigeru, just no, not, no. No more of that. <laughs> but, anyway, yeah, I just... If you can get an Xbox One S for, you know, 200 American, which is what it was yeah. going for uh, very recently, might still be that price, I haven't checked, but... Yeah. It, how do you justify then $300 American for a, a Nintendo Switch? It's just... Yeah. Th- there's a principle there that I won't I won't buy it for more than $200. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I would only buy it when... So, yeah, to change currency slightly, apologies, it happens. Mm-hmm. I bought my PlayStation, which admittedly was the version with the slightly bigger hard drive, for £240, I believe. And the Switch at the moment is still £290. Mm-hmm. So... I think unless unless they do the, unless they at Christmas do a bundle where they give you the console and Mario for that same price, I'm not going anywhere near a Switch until it gets a price cut. Right. I think a console and a game would be fair. Although I don't think we're gonna, we might see some decent deals this season, but it's still in so hot demand because nobody yeah. nobody can get one. That I'm really I'm really counting on maybe holiday two, 2018 being when I'm going to probably be seriously considering yeah. buying one. Yeah, and I yeah I, I could well be I might I could well be summer 2018 myself near my birthday or who mm-hmm. knows. But I'll but buy yeah, a bundle I, with uh with Call of the Wild. I'll tell you that much. Breath of the Wild, yeah. Definitely. Did I say Call of the Wild? That was a movie about a wolf, wasn't it? I have no idea. I am so matter. bad with names today. Holy cow. Yeah. See, Nintendo yeah, One S, the Call of the Wild, whatever. I don't know what's yeah, going on. Keep... It's Greg Without Borders. Who knows? I was going to say you keep calling this show Gamers Without Borders when we all know that it's Greg Without Borders. <laughs> it's confusing to me. It's it's things yeah. need names, Nick. I have come close on numerous occasions to, albeit temporarily, changing our Twitter handle so it actually says Greg Without Borders, but I know it'll just confuse the hell out of people. <laughs> For people who aren't in on the joke, yeah, uh, they. Because you you need to be a regular listener of of One Track Gamers in order to actually yeah. understand the reference. Otherwise, it looks yeah, like I hacked the site or something. Yeah, and also follow both of our like Twitter accounts and stuff, as well as our personal accounts. It's just oh yeah, yeah. It's not not worth it. 
Speaking of the lovely people that listen to this show, uh, we do have a bit. Uh, we actually have some community stuff, and we got a question for the first time in ages. But before I jump into that, I just want to quickly uh, just do a couple of shout outs to some other podcasts that are kind of in our group that we often talk about. So, uh, in the last couple of days uh, off of when we're recording, uh, Video Game Generations, uh, Mike's put up a new episode. Yeah. These are just his solo episodes where um, he he does some reviews. He did a really good review of, uh, funnily enough, Zelda Breath of the Wild. Uh, Breath mm-hmm. of the Wild. It's and yeah, uh, obviously it's not quite the same just with Mike on his own. But you can t- he's he's such a passionate, knowledgeable person about games that it's it's great to hear him yeah. to hear his his views on things. So yeah, even in this kind of different form that video game generations takes, uh, it's it's hugely hugely enjoyable. So I'd recommend that. And this other bit of news, even though uh, both Greg and myself <laughs> separately have congratulated all involved about this. I feel that we, as the podcast, should also uh, say this and say this publicly. Uh, John of the One Track Gamers revealed recently that uh, he and his wife are expecting Player 3, as they uh, politely put it, uh, early next year. So uh, huge congratulations to them on that, and I wish them both the very best. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, and sorry to now jump back to the question, which comes from... Uh, I like to think somewhat my protege as a long-term <laughs> fan of the one-track gamers, Tony, who himself, himself has started his own podcast called the No Time for Time Travel Podcast. Mm-hmm. Good title there. It makes you, makes you trip over it. Uh, I think you can find them on Twitter at NTFTTPpod. Uh, and he says, yay, welcome back. Thank you very much. It has been a while. He says, with Mario Kart VR coming out, what other Nintendo property do you want in VR? And I'm not sure. I, I I do try and think of replies to these before we actually start, but I'm I haven't touched anything Nintendo in so long that I'm really not sure. Yeah. So I am the absolute wrong person to ask this because I yep. am adamant, and I've I've said this in, in more than one forum. You can you can go back to every podcast I've ever been in. When it comes up, I bring it up. I don't like VR. I don't like it at all. I find it actually separates me from the gaming world instead of getting me in- engrossed in it. I It breaks my immersion. I don't like having the thing strapped to my face. I don't like that, you know, I've I've now completely engrossed myself in the limitations of, of their world instead of being yes. able to interact with it with my own controller. Yes. I'm not a fan. I don't use it. I don't like using it. And it also, it reminds me of my time when I was in the service and I used to use VR trainers and they were not fun experiences. So the idea of VR is just kind of turned off for me. Yeah. So, Tony, I don't have a good answer for you because, uh, quite frankly, if I had my druthers, there would be no properties that would be in VR. My only answer is, again, a bit of a joke answer because I can't think of a proper one. It is obviously one of the big problems people have with VR is that it can quite often make them feel ill because of the like the motion side of it. Mm-hmm. So my answer would be F-Zero because <laughs> that would probably make you super ill. Super ill, yeah. So do you know what actually, the more than motion, you know what used to really make people pass out and faint in VR back when we were doing it in the service? Go ahead. When you look down and you don't see your don't own see legs your there. see legs, yeah. I, I've seen... We used to say that to people all the time. Don't look down. (laughs) And they're like, why? (laughs) Just trust me. Just don't look down. Because you're going to look down and your legs won't be there and you're going to pass out. Yeah, because your brain will go, oh, I've lost my legs. When you haven't, Yeah, you just think you have. People people flip out because they look down and they're saying, like, nothing's holding me up right now. And then they start flipping out and I've seen people pass out. I've seen people just start grabbing. And you got to like yeah. get somebody in there and pull the helmet off them before they start breaking your very expensive equipment. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, don't look down. It is quite, 
yeah, it's quite interesting how kind of the brain reacts to it. Like I remember someone commenting that they were playing some sort of VR experience or VR demo where they were like on on a, on a building or something, and even though they knew they were sitting still, they knew it was VR. They could not will themselves to go and look over the edge of the building because mm-hmm. their brain was just going, "No, don't do it." Yeah, and it's just I th- I think there's as as curious as I'm see to see the. Uh, the like applications of VR. I think it's really interesting, almost from like a psychological perspective, how it mm-hmm. kind of affects you. Yeah, I'm, I guess I could see people who are really into that sort of thing. Like, oh, I, I like that it, it triggers my fear response in my brain. But yes, uh, for me, I'm not that person. I'm the person who just says, you know what, I was, I was happier when I had the controller in my hand that I could see, and I had my peripheral vision. And I I know I'm not here. I understand when I look down, I'm I'm not going to see my legs. And be think maybe because I'm so used to that. Yeah, I, I was I was the lead technician for that trainer for a while, so I was, you know, I I was administering a lot of training using it. I had a lot of time in the VR helmet, and I've become so detached from it that it's it just doesn't. I I don't get the immersion anymore. I'm completely detached now when I'm whenever I put the helmet on. Yes. But uh, yeah, so sorry we couldn't give you a better answer on that there, Tony. <laughs> it's not really an area. I think F Zero was a good answer. Yes, as a joke answer. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? And and Star Fox. There you go. Yeah. No. All right. And at least with it, at least with F Zero, it makes people happy that have been calling for a new F Zero game for the last. Oh, people 10 years. have been dying for one. Yeah. I mean, it makes a yeah. lot more sense than quite frankly Arkham VR. So. Yes. But anyway, that just about uh, wraps it up this week. I think uh, I was I was want, did want to run a little bit longer than normal because I'm very aware that we have been away for a while. Uh, so remember, if you want to get in touch with the podcast, you can tweet us at gwbpod. You can email us at gwbpodcast@gmail.com. You can find me personally uh, at at another GMG blog. You can find me on uh, PSN as Merciful underscore Fate four nine seven. Uh, you can find the my writing work in various different places, uh, but you can find links to all that both in the show notes and if not, just keep an eye on my Twitter. Uh, Greg, where can people find you? So people can find me at Judge Greg is Law on Twitter, and you can also I uh, created a Twitter handle specifically for my podcast, now redubbed the Real Hero Talk podcast. Uh, although I will still shorthand it as Hero Talk because that was yep. kind of the point that I could still just say Hero Talk and it's still right. But the full name of the show is the Real Hero Talk podcast, and you can follow the Hero Talk on Twitter at Real Hero Talk. That's the traditional real, R-E-A-L. It's not like a play on words with real and, and the film yeah. real. So the Real Hero Talk podcast, at Real Hero Talk. For more of my content, you can check out Enthusiacs.com. That's the site where I am the managing editor. And that is also on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. So just search for Enthusiacs. I personally can also recommend just interacting with a lot of the fellow enthusiasts because I've had some fun, mainly GIF uh, conversations on Twitter <laughs> with some of your colleagues so, yes. Yeah, I will say our Dark Princess, Her Highness, is phenomenal with her gift game. Yes. Uh, shout out to you, uh, yeah. Princess. <laughs> but yeah, that just about wraps it up. Uh, thank you very much for listening, everybody. Like I said, keep an eye on, the tw- uh, on our Twitter account, but we will hopefully be back uh, with you relatively soon. So see you then, and goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.